Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. I am uh, Jim, uh, known as Pastor Jim. <laughs> That's not my first name. It's really Jim. I pastored in Lamont for about 19 years, just up the road from you guys. And this is my wife, Jill, right here. Uh, I have, uh, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be here today. And uh, one of the things that's been a great blessing in my life is uh, getting a chance to know Pastor Brian. And uh, we discovered that we both like coffee a lot. So we meet for coffee at the Rustic Need in Lamont every so often. We have some great conversations together. And, and Jill and I have had the opportunity to visit you guys off and on over the last few years. And I admire this congregation. I admire your dedication. All the work it takes to uh, uh, come in and set up every Sunday morning. And uh, I think it's wonderful. And you're, you're being a great witness to this area of the world, and it's vitally important, especially in the kind of world we have right now, to be a witness for Christ. One of the things I'm uh, grateful for today is we have kids in the service. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be talking, actually, I'm, I'm going to be talking quite a bit about the wonder and depth of a child as we go through this message today. Uh, and so, uh, moms and dads, and so kids, hey kids, uh, uh, I asked Jesus into my life to be my savior when I was in third grade. I was eight years old. And so kids, uh, man, you have your whole lives out in front of you. And so wonderful to see you guys up here being, being able to talk and answer the questions about John the Baptist. And you know, you know the word of God. And I just want to encourage you kids as you get into those teenage years and all the way through, Keep Jesus at the very center of your life. And infants, uh, you mentioned John the Baptist, prenatal. You know, uh, the Holy Spirit was already doing something there in his life. And, you know, we're going to be talking a little bit about that kind of thing today, uh, that even before a child's born, an infant's, the wonder and the depth that God has already created, even before a child's born. So... So let's uh, jump into that this morning, and I know we have maybe an attention span situation today. <laughs> I hope it's not with you adults, okay? But uh, <laughs> I don't want to see anyone dozing off, okay? Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, but kids, we do the best we can, and hey, kids, uh, my, uh, you know, when I, my kids were young and we went to church, uh, I told them that... Uh, Every point they would remember from my sermon, I would pay them. Well, back then it was a dime, <laughs> okay? That's nothing. So parents, if you want to, you know, bribe your kids today. You know, so. But anyway, it's great to be here. Uh, you know, there are three basic conversations that we were created to have. One is with God. Another one with each other. And then we're going to talk about a third conversation this morning. And that's the conversation that we have with ourselves, our self-talk. A few years ago, a friend gave me this uh, 
record from Barry Manilow. Now, I know I've, <laughs> I've dated myself here. Anyone under 40, maybe you're... Oh, you have that? Okay, all right. So there are some Barry, La- Barry Manilow fans here along with me this morning. Okay, uh, well, I brought this with me today to make a point, and that is, you know, on these old records, and I think records are making a comeback, right? Anyhow, uh, there are grooves, and our minds are like a record with grooved-in messages. Uh, And the moment, from the moment we are born, impressions that later become thoughts begin to be recorded, deeply grooved into our minds. And they become the messages, the self-talk, the conversation that keeps playing over and over and over again in our minds And those grooves, once they're there, they're very hard to erase. They're very hard to shut off. And for good or bad, they become the conversation that we spend our lives having with ourselves, our self-talk. Let me give you an example. How many here have been to Disney World? All right, a good number. Uh, Here's a quiz for you. There's one ride at Disney World that keeps playing one song over and over and over and over again when you're riding through. (laughs) All right, okay, there you go. Now, I'm sorry for bringing that up this morning and triggering your subconscious minds again because for the next week, probably, you're going to be singing that song. It's going to be, you you won't be able to get it out of your head. And uh, I was there in 1983. And I still have relapses from time to time when I, I'm humming that song when I'm driving down the road. I can't get it out of my head. So, like a record, we have a, a, a record like this. Let's put it this way. A record like this, I think this one has five songs on each side. It's pretty limited, the grooves. But that's minute compared to the capacity of our minds to record messages. Here's some research for you. In 2020, a study at Queen's University, Ontario, Canada, Center for Neuroscience Studies, revealed that we have an average of 6,200 thoughts per day. That's a 16-hour awake day. And thinking is the conversation. That's our conversation with ourselves. So we have 6,200 conversations with ourselves each day. That's 387 conversations with yourself per hour. And that far exceeds any conversation we might ever have with our spouse or our very best friend. Noam Chomsky, who is perhaps the world's leading scholar on language, stated in an interview in 2021, 99% of our conversation is with ourselves. And that's just referring to our conscious mind. If you add the subconscious, that deep, deep layer underneath the conscious mind, if you add the subconscious, Dr. Paul Hegstrom, who's the founder of Life Skills International, says that by the age of 65, there will be 280 quintillion memories recorded in your subconscious mind. Now, I don't even know what that number is. That's that's a big number, I know that. But those messages will be grooved into your subconscious mind. Every word, 
ever spoken, every experience you've had, even prenatal, uh, the way someone has looked at you, kindly or unkindly, uh, the way you have been treated that made you feel accepted or not accepted, worthy or not worthy, all of that is grooved into your subconscious mind. And Dr. Hegstrom also says that our subconscious mind cannot tell the difference between fantasy and reality or between what's true and false. So all, it's just, a, it's just a, a raw database of impressions and memories that keep feeding us information all the time and they become the unaware triggers of our emotions, of our thoughts in our everyday encounter with life. So our minds have an astounding depth. In fact, David stated that in Psalm 139 when he said that we are fearfully, that could be translated awesomely, and wonderfully made by God. And we were created in God's own image. And who is God? Well, he's Trinity. One God, eternal, existing in three persons. We can't figure that out but three persons. And what has God been doing for all of eternity, long before any of us were ever created? God has been having conversation. He created us with the desire that the conversation we have with ourselves and the conversation we have with everybody else would be full of blessing, would be full of encouragement and grace and things that build us up and communicate love and care. That was God's desire, words that give life. But then there was this great tragedy that took place. Read about it in Genesis 3. When our first parents, Adam and Eve, they chose to exclude God from their conversation with terrible consequences. And the Apostle Paul tells us what those consequences were in Romans chapter 1. Let me just read this quickly. For although they knew God, Adam and Eve made a choice. They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, So God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. And they became filled with every kind of wickedness and evil and greed and depravity, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. And Paul gives us quite a list there. It's sort of depressing, isn't it? But human language, human conversation fell. Our subconscious mind, everything, it, it came crashing down. And without God in the human conversation, our world quickly devolved into a vicious cycle of destructive, abusive, deceitful, critical, harmful, self-worth shattering, toxic conversation in which we damage ourselves over and over again with our own self-talk. And then out of our own shattered selves, we spread that damage to other people with words that injure and add to the destruction going on in their lives. And so it's a vicious downward cycle that I think the Apostle Paul nails it right on the head. 
So I want to, I want to make three quick observations about this struggle with our self-talk. Number one, the self-talk from which a person form, forms their view of themselves begins the moment of birth. In fact, it's before that. It begins while that child's in the womb. A baby is born, and even in the womb, is like a pre-language sponge absorbing the impressions that will soon, uh, with their own language development, become the foundation of their own thinking, their self-image, their self-talk, their self-concept. One of the, uh, one of the other uh, interesting researches is, researches, <laughs> studies of research that I've came across recently is that there are 11 million bits of data processed per second by a human, a human mind. That's, that's an amazing thing, and that starts with chi- childhood. Dr. Hegstrom states that 95% of the struggles and issues in our lives go back to the first eight or 10 years of our lives. And he also states that when a trauma takes place during those formative years, we mature emotionally about 24 months beyond that trauma, and that though we grow older chronologically, that emotional trauma locks in. And those traumatic messages play over and over during the rest of our lives. So we can keep on growing older chronologically, but our emotional growth can get stunted and hung up because of damage that's been done in our lives when we were a child. It's where most of it happens. Years ago, I had a man who uh, was 35 years old. This was when I was pastoring up in Mount Prospect. He came into my office, and uh, his name was Bill. He'd grown up in the foster care system. He told me that when he was eight years old, he overheard a social worker speaking with his mother that your boy is incorrigible. And he didn't know what that word meant, but he knew it didn't sound good. (laughs) He knew there was something wrong with me. And he carried that as a label that played over and over in his mind all through those 35 years of his life. Up to that day, he was in my office. And then he asked me in my office one day, I remember him, Bill, looking at me and saying, hey, what does that word incorrigible mean anyway? And uh, so I explained it to him. It means you're hopeless, you can't change. It means you're damaged goods. That's what that word means. But I went on to explain to him that that label doesn't have to stick on you. And Bill opened up his heart He received Christ into his life. He brought Jesus into his conversation. And he began a whole new journey. He he was restored. He found a, and, and, and here's the thing about that label. He found a whole new label. No longer stamped with incorrigible, but now he was stamped by the blood of Jesus as redeemable. That, and that, that is the message of the gospel. And it's for every age group, from the youngest to the very oldest person. And from the very youngest person to the very oldest person on this planet, there is always hope through the blood of Jesus Christ to completely heal and restore the depths of our hearts, every wound that exists in our lives. And that's good news. That's good news. And, and you guys are bringing good news 
to Lockport and to the people that you work with because I guarantee almost all, in fact, all of us have been wounded, some unimaginably wounded, and you work with them shoulder to shoulder at work, some of them. They need this good news of Christ. Now, um, the second thing I want to note about this struggle with self-talk is that the Apostle Paul refers to these internal messages as strongholds. And we could define a stronghold this way. It's a complex of entangled lies that we believe about ourselves, about God, and about others. You know, for a while, uh, I don't know where we got this, but I guess the way we collected rubber bands in our house, we kept weaving them into this big ball. <laughs> and it, it, try to untangle that. Okay, that's a job. Well, that's what, that's what a stronghold is inside of our minds. It's this subconscious, conscious mind entanglement that keeps getting bigger and bigger and taking over more and more control of the way we live our lives. They're like prisons inside our minds that hold us captive to all kinds of destructive, addictive, damaging actions, issues, struggles, which cause us to hurt ourselves and others. And, and you know, when we, when we hurt others, who do we usually hurt? The people that we love the most. The people that are closest to us get hurt. It's the kind of world we live in. But here's what the Apostle Paul says about those strongholds. He says, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons like the world has. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power to demolish, I like that word, strongholds. We demolish arguments. What are arguments? False reasonings. And every pretension, false thought systems that set themselves up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So there is power through faith in Jesus to break down these embedded destructive life commandments. How? Well, Paul used a play on words here when he, saw, when he talked about taking, take your thinking captive. Let Jesus take your thoughts captive. What does he mean there? He means that only Jesus has full and total access to your mind, conscious and subconscious. Jesus knows every detail, every bit of data, quintillion. He, know, he knows every single item about you and about me. And that gives him the ability, and he has the love to do it. He has access to all that. He can go down deep. He can go do a deep dive. You know, I read in a newspaper a couple, I don't know, three or four weeks ago that uh, they discovered this fish, I think it was in the Indian Ocean, which is about the deepest ocean on the planet. I guess it goes down over six miles. Uh, they found this fish that, had, that human eyes had never seen before. <laughs> it's, uh, somehow they, they caught a glimpse of it. It was called a batfish. It was probably the ugliest looking fish I've ever seen. But, but you know, that's, that's the way our minds are. They're deep. And there's stuff swimming around down inside of us that, we, that, that is influencing us that we don't even know about. But Jesus knows about it. And so I want, so if someone's going to be controlling your thinking in this world, three choices. We can control it ourselves or try to in our own fallen, broken selves. We don't do a very good job. 
Satan, I can tell you, would love to control your thinking. That's what he wants to do. But Jesus, Jesus, who do you want to control your thinking? When Paul says, uh, let Jesus take your thoughts captive, he's talking about surrender. Surrendering to the authority of Jesus. And I would rather have Jesus in charge of my thinking than the other two alternatives. Now, um, Paul also says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, pleasing will. Now, there's a third thing I want to note here, and that is uh, the depth of a child. Since many or most of these strongholds get grooved into our minds and emotions during childhood, it really does speak to us about how vitally important our children are and to recognize the depth that are in them. You know, when I was a kid, there used to be a saying that went around. In fact, I heard it it was all over the place. I thought maybe it was out of the Bible. I don't know. Uh, A child is to be seen but not heard. And one day in my adult life, somewhere back through there, I got to thinking about that. What? Wait a minute. Who came up with that idea? (laughs) A child is just to be seen but not heard? What? No way. Uh, And I'm grateful to be in a church today where kids are vitally important being ministered to, cared for. And I want to applaud every kids' church worker in here, and I want to applaud the nursery workers and you moms and dads for being the kinds of parents and people that do hear your children and allow them to express themselves to you and talk with them and, and, and in a nurturing, caring, loving environment. So I, I, I don't think that can be underscored enough. I love that one part in the Gospels where Jesus took the, uh, you know, he was trying to explain something to the adults. What did he do? He looked over and saw this child standing there. He pulled the child over into the center and he said, hey, look, if you want to know what the kingdom, if you want to learn about the kingdom of God, just study this child. So depth, God put that in the hearts of our children. You know, I was going to throw in here, there are no perfect parents, right? None of us. We're going to inflict pain sometimes even though we may not want to. But I'll tell you what, a big difference. When you inflict pain on someone, a child, one of your own children, and the Holy Spirit lets you know, hey, that wasn't a very good thing to say. You didn't say that quite right. You can come back to that child and say, hey, you know what? What I said just a few minutes ago, here's what I really meant. And I didn't, I didn't want it to come across like it is. So it's just that kind of thing. We can do that with one another, with our families, our children. Now, um, quickly, I want to give five spiritual weapons then to break down strongholds. Five weapons. Paul was talking about bringing our thoughts captive. Well, what, what does that really mean? Let's break it down a little bit. How do, we, how do we attack those strongholds? Number one is a repentant heart. You know, the first thing Jesus said about entrance into the kingdom of God was what? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's the door into the kingdom of God, into a relationship with Jesus. 
But it's not only the door. It is also the path. (laughs) It's also the ongoing basic attitude by which we live and grow in the kingdom of God, by which our minds can be transformed, is living with a repentant spirit and a repentant heart. And what does that mean? That just means I live my life with blatant honesty with Jesus, 24 hours a day, blatantly honest with Jesus, so that when I say something that, ah, I shouldn't have said that, the Holy Spirit's going to say, hey, Jim, yeah, you need to go back and straighten that out. Get get that thing taken care of. No matter how long you and I have served Jesus, no matter how healthy your childhood, childhood was, or unhealthy, there is more renewing of our minds that needs to take place. And I think we help each other do that as the body of Christ, don't we? Sometimes, even within the body of Christ, we can say things to each other that hurt, that injure, and create a little bit of a division. That can happen. But I think that ability to say quickly, I'm sorry. I think that Christians should be the uh, most expert apologizers on planet Earth. (laughs) Okay, the second thing when it comes to dealing with strongholds is to soak in the Scriptures. Become a sponge soaking in the truth. Soak it in in your private times, meditating on God's Word. I like Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says that the person who meditates on the Word of God will be like that tree, a tree of life, planted by the rivers of water. I think all of us want to be a tree of life. The Word of God, getting that into our hearts and souls, meditating on it, soaking it in. I'll throw out a name here that is a great resource for you. His name is Tim Mackey. Maybe some of you have heard of Tim Mackey. He did something called The Bible Project. It's all over YouTube, online, website. It's a great tool to help get into the Scriptures. It really is. I, I take the benefit of it, and I pass that on to you. Tim Mackey, The Bible Project. Getting the Word of God into your heart. Number three, in terms of uh, defeating strongholds, is pray like crazy. Okay, Paul said it this way. He said, pray without ceasing. That means having a conversational relationship with God that's just ongoing throughout the day. So, so what happens for a Christian is we have our self-talk going on, but, when we, when we, but we invite Jesus Christ into our self-talk. And so if I'm going about the day and I'm talking to the Lord, you don't have to do it audibly. <laughs> People you're working with might, you know, wonder about that, but, but you can be talking to the Lord as you go about your day. You can be talking to the Lord uh, when you don't feel like talking to the Lord. You can say to the Lord, Lord, I don't really feel like, I, I'm just not feeling very spiritual right now, but I know that you're with me. I'm talking with you. So developing that kind of conversation, prayer without ceasing. Number, number four, and I think this is a, a really important one. Sometimes this is perhaps the most neglected. Defeating strongholds, confide in trusted friends. Find friends that you trust in whom you can pour out what's going on. You know, God uses other people as instruments for his encouragement. Uh, Don't carry strongholds all by yourself. Expose a stronghold to the light. There's something about confessing it. Even James said that, right? Confess your faults one to another. 
so that you can be healed. There's something about exposing that to the light with a trusted friend that perhaps sometimes is half the battle right there. Your step toward victory in that area of your life. You know, uh, I've experienced that over my life many, many times. Uh, I had been a pastor for 10 years. I started pastoring when I was 20. It was in 1970. Some of you may have seen the Jesus Revolution movie, Jesus People, all that stuff. Uh, that was the era in which I started pastoring. And, uh, and then for the first, this was in northwestern Pennsylvania. For the first 10 years of my pastoring, I had struggles with depression. It would set in on me and immobilize me. I couldn't understand why. I would pray. I would, and then I would feel guilty because, hey, I'm a pastor. What, what's going on with me? Uh, and so then, uh, after pastoring in Pennsylvania, I decided to further my education and came out. That's what brought us to Chicago. And I went to graduate school. Uh, and when I got into graduate school, those moments of depression intensified for me. And every, like, uh, there were days, like three days at a time, where I just was like mentally and emotionally immobilized. I couldn't figure it out. So one day when I was up on the campus, I got up the courage to walk over to the counseling school, <laughs> the counseling department, and say to the, you know, the, the woman at the desk there, I need to set up a, a, I need to make an appointment with one of the counselors here. Now, you know, I had a big battle. It took me a lot of courage to do that. Uh, but I did it. And so I met six times with this counselor. And what we discovered, something I discovered about myself just through that was this whole, this huge giant of perfectionism that was driving me. And I was setting goals so high I could never possibly measure up to them. And it was keeping me depressed. Uh, there's a lot more to it than that. But, but those six sessions with a counselor, I confided. I brought it out into the open. It was a big turning point for me. It helped. So I would encourage that. Don't keep, your, don't keep these things private. And then five is stay in the battle. Uh, when you slip, learn from that. And don't fall back into shame and condemnation. Jesus said, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And yet I have found many, many Christians who live in shame and condemnation. But that's not necessary. We all mess up now and then. But the key is, if, if, we, if we give in to condemnation, we're going to stay messed up. <laughs> you know, We come to grace, right? We have grace in place of condemnation. And Jesus' grace is there with us. I often thought of it like a person who's learning to walk on a tightrope. Maybe they're working in the circus or something. How many times did they fall off of that tightrope when they were trying to learn how to walk across it? Hundreds of times. We as Christians, we start walking for Christ. We, we fall off the rope. We fall into the safety net down there. On one side of the net is Satan. On the other side is Jesus. Satan is saying, you're lousy. You messed up. You're never going to cross that rope. Forget it. What does Jesus say? He says, hey, you fell. Let's learn from that. And then he says, now, get back up there, and let's see if we can take the next step. That's how he leads us through this Christian life, one step at a time. And if we blow a step, get back up there. He's, he's going to be there. He's your coach. He's with you. So, 
If you lose a battle, don't leave the war. Keep utilizing the weapons of warfare because the battle is the Lord's. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. So long.